Welcome to Pili, Raul, and La Musica, supported by Sure Microphones and Jack Daniels. For more information, follow us at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Welcome to another edition of Billy, Raul, and La Musica. And we are excited because doing this whole connection during quarantine and COVID and coronavirus, we are connecting with people all over the world and a little closer to home. So all the way from San Diego, California, is Mr. Frankie J. Welcome, sir. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. First and foremost, thank you, uh, Billy. Thank you, Raul, for uh, having me. It's a it's a pleasure to be uh, here with you guys, talking to you guys, and uh, I thank you for you know for the invite. This is cool, <laughs> dude. Thank you for giving us so much amazing music, for creating so many memories, for being that um, singer who marked our life. When uh, el primer beso que me di was listening to Obsesión by Frankie J. Oh, <laughs> you wow. know, you're like one of those <laughs> artists that has really. Ha marcado nuestras vidas a través de sus canciones, so it's a really an honor to have you here with us. Muchas gracias. What is your first recollection of music? That oh, like man. where, when, what was it? My first recollection of music. Yo creo que para mí lo que me viene a la mente era cuando yo tenía dos años. Y lo digo porque lo veo mucho en, en fotos. Oh no, fíjate. Un año, I was, I think I was one year old, and wow. um, there's a picture of me playing a small snare drum, and I'm like banging on the snare drum, and my aunt, uh, my aunt Rosa is literally holding me, for for me not to fall, um, and those are the memories that come to mind uh, when I think of music, like as first, you know, me being kind of introduced to music, uh, I was holding on to an instrument. You know, at the age of one, one and a half, probably. Wow. So <laughs> fond memories. I still see those pictures every now and then. And I'm just like, gosh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Who would have known, though, uh-huh. right? That's right. That's right. You never know. I love the comments that like parents and aunts and uncles say, oh, va a ser músico. Or if right. he's playing with Legos, va a ser arquitecto or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, this is tried and true i mean you yeah. you're doing amazing stuff like billy said you know you have such a, an amazing discography and different styles of music that you've done over the years we got to start at one of my idols one of my freaking mentors one mm. of the people that made me want to be a dj yeah. and that is mr jellybean benitez oh my who obviously i'm a househead and i'm i love disco and i right. love all that flavor but i know you were actually doing freestyle before the whole r&b thing really right. took off and uh jellybean actually had you on a compilation and you put out a couple of your singles back in the day right yeah he was responsible for a few of those records i think you know for me as an artist i think the responsibility of an artist is to bring joy you know to people to bring emotions to people uh to bring uh nostalgia you know to people so uh, you know starting from uh, as a freestyle artist to to doing you know some dance music to doing r&b music to even doing cumbia music because i came from a group called the cumbia kings and now coming you know, full circle and doing a boleros ranchero 
uh, album with some pop baladas on there at the same time really just defines what what you're you know as an artist what what you're supposed to be an artistic person it's a beautiful thing when you're able to do whatever it is that you want to do when it comes to music like it's all shapes and sizes it's all different colors of music and you know freestyle that you mentioned freestyle i started with freestyle i was probably about 12 13 years old when i first was introduced to freestyle because of my older brother he was a dj and yep. you know he st- he wanted to be like a a professional dj like he he was always doing house parties uh, you know going to like different events with his buddies and since he could not go anywhere without me because my mom and my dad would always tell him <laughs> si tú vas a salir vas a tener que llevarte a tu hermano porque no te like we don't we don't trust you <laughs> uh, so i'm 12 years never, old never trust a dj never <laughs> trust a dj no 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 that is not true not true anybody no, li- you're listening no, out there nada. that is not true not true <laughs> so you know they would say if you're going to go out anywhere cuz my my older brother is only four years older than me so he was 16 and his his buddies were a lot older than him so they could drive they had a license uh and my brother would carry uh crates and he would have me carry some crates so uh, you know going to these house parties i was introduced to like george lamond stevie b Spring love, come back to me. I mean, great classic songs, you know, from freestyle. And um, so that was like what what uh, most inspired me at, at that age. And that's why I started doing freestyle music at such a young age. I still remember the first song I wrote when I was 12 years old. Tell us, tell us, what was it? Yes, please. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> it was the simplest lyric with, I, I I remember I had a crush on some girl, and um, I don't even remember the girl's name, but it goes, I remember the first time we met. I knew you were the one that I had to get Because of your style and your beautiful smile Oh baby girl, you know you drive me wild for your love And I even had this Like the melody and everything, I had it all in my head But of course I never, I never recorded it you should. It's so good. You totally should. <laughs> I mean, you're you're talking to a freestyle head as well and a disco oh, head because wow. your brother and I are the same age. You ah, know, so okay. I get it. So yeah. I started with you know those Stevie B records, Trainier, yeah. George Lamond, all those kids. Oh, you know, back gosh. in the day, yes. Stevie B played at my high school. You know, grad no night way, at Disneyland dude. back in the day. You know, so shut up. You know, right now that you're talking about you know all those names, all those artists, I am now friends with some of these guys. I never awesome. imagined in my life that I would become friends with some of these legendary artists that started off with this music called freestyle that inspired me as a kid. And, uh, you know, Stevie B is now a a friend of mine. George Lamond is now a friend of mine. TKA, K7, uh, Kyle from from TKA, the lead singer, is now a friend of mine. Uh, Johnny O, Cynthia. Like, I, I know some of these legendary artists and I, you know, I can say, wow, I know these people now, you know. So it's really cool. 
a, li- a little tangent and the reason why I think Billy and I say like you should put that out because I do like these occasional afternoon mixes and um, you know usually they're house and I got requests uh-huh. for doing like 80s disco mixes and one time I got a request to do a freestyle mix wow. so I even said that like in the chat and I go like oh I, you know we're getting a request to do some freestyle and one of the kids and I say a kid because obviously he was really young uh-huh. says like what is freestyle and I'm all like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> right. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So so yeah. I'm all like, oh, let me let me let me go to my records here, you know. And I actually had like a little section of freestyle and I actually <laughs> pulled out that Stevie B record, Spring Love, and immediately threw it into the mix. And I'm all like, this is freestyle. Right. You know, and I threw it in. And yeah. everybody's all like, whoa. And you you see all like the the smiley faces and little hearts come in because <laughs> but that's what it is. You know, there's a little bit of a generation gap. The new generation won't necessarily understand Correct. what freestyle music is. So the fact that your beginnings were actually freestyle is really cool. And then, you know, again, speaking about somebody like Jelly Bean right. and and what he's done Pioneers. for music. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Pioneers. I think now nowadays with the new uh, generation, with the younger generation, the word freestyle is confused with the rap, with hip hop. It's like everybody wants to freestyle. Uh, everybody wants to rap, you know, free freely. That's what a freestyle is. But to the uh, generation uh, on our generation, of course, we understand the word freestyle, which was a style of music mixed with, you know, salsa and pop and rhythms of of the street. You know, uh, that right. uh, from my understanding, um, freestyle started in the East Coast in New York. Oh, OK. I want to say the late 70s, early 80s, you know. So uh, when you tell somebody the history of, of freestyle, then they start to understand it. They start to comprehend. I was like, oh, wow, I never really meant with that. You know, never knew what that was, especially right. to the younger folks, you right. know. Right. But it definitely uh, was but yeah. a movement. That's oh, absolutely. Sure. It, movement. it kicked off a lot of uh, Latino, uh, Latino careers. So I think uh, it was a big, big movement, you know, for for on the Latin community. And it makes sense. Like, you know, here in L.A., in San Diego, I'm sure the connection was the same way, just as New York. You know, it did, you know, unite that Latino community with the dance culture. You know, it wasn't necessarily a color barrier. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, this is just dance music and it's good, feel good music. Speaks a positive message, usually about love. Yeah. That's what it is. Heartbreak. And, and it, yeah. It's a fun sound. It's very accessible. Just like the classic sounds of a ranchera, a cumbia, a right. bolero, you know, and all these kind of things that we grew up listening to from our parents' music collection or older siblings, you know, yeah. whether they're brothers, sisters, cousins, tios. I remember, you know, listening to all these boleros as a kid and listening to rancheras, but not really quite understanding them. You know, as 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 it is like with like with my with my kids, you know, I have a 19 year old son and I have a 15 year old daughter. So whenever I do play, you know, some of these records, I mean, to them, it's kind of like, this is cool. But let me hear some of that new R&B stuff. Let me hear some of that new hip hop. Let me hear some of that Mm -hmm. new, you know, the new sound of today. But then I'm like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. You got to pay attention to this. You got to listen to the lyrics, listen to the musicality of all these things. And they're just kind of like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'll do it another day. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? But kids, man. But kids. later, but later, like as as I keep at it, you know, with them, and not try to force it on them, but at least kind of show them every now and then, like, hey, listen to this, or do you know where this song came from, or do you know where that, you know, and and similarities of the yesteryears uh, of music and to the years of today, the, 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 the sound of today, then they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. And and then they start kind of gravitating to the older stuff, to the classics. But, right. you know, it's it's so cool to, to experience that now because I remember being that young, being that kid, like, ah, I don't want to hear that stuff, you know? <laughs> I want to hear some freestyle. I want to hear some hip-hop, you know? I want to hear some of this new stuff. But uh, But it's the same thing. It's important to educate the, the younger generation about our music history because it's such a huge part of our culture. So yeah. when you were going to these house parties with your hermano, uh -huh. was it the lyrics? Was it the culture? Was it the musicality of it? Or was it the reaction of the people dancing to the music that moved you the most? Hmm, That's a good question. Um, I think it was a bit of everything. Because I remember being 12 years old, 13 years old, you know, standing next to my brother and his buddies and his friends. Uh, and mind you, these are all older people. Like, I'm probably the youngest kid there in the bunch with a bunch of, like, you know, teenagers and, you know, maybe 20-year-olds, you know. And I'm just kind of watching everybody dance and reacting to the music. Because all of a sudden, I do remember this one situation where we were in, in, a, in, a, in a at a house party and then all of a sudden you know my brother plays Stevie B Spring Love and you know that little sound that first sound that comes out you start seeing the people just going crazy and I'm like what is going on like what is this it's just the sound <laughs> of of that one particular part of the song that made everybody just want to mm -hmm. scream and yell and then all of a sudden no oh, that's my song you know <laughs> so you know sing maybe it was that maybe it's the reaction that that really drew me to the whole music but yeah it's amazing what music can do oh for sure for sure yeah. Frankie you have a beautiful voice I mean you, you are just one of those voices that really stand out and like you can be a capella and everyone's boquiabiertos, babiados. Uh -huh. <laughs> when did you discover your most important instrument, your voice? Mm, my gosh. Yo tenía... ¿Qué edad tenía? Yo desde los siete, ocho años he cantado. Eh, me ha gustado mucho cantar canciones. Mira, mi papá eh, escuchaba y hasta la fecha. Le gusta escuchar los Jonix, eh, los Bukis, eh, José José, eh, ahora Marco Antonio Solís, que se lanzó de solista de hace muchos años ya. Le gusta escuchar diferentes tipos de música y yo creo que a los 7, 8 años, al escuchar a él eh, que se preparaba para irse a trabajar, escuchaba las canciones que él escuchaba en la mañana. Y yo comenzaba a cantar diferentes canciones, pero yo nunca lo, lo puse. I, like, I never put it into, like, oh, wow, I can sing, you know. I guess that was kind of like my school, because I never took a singing class. Never. What? Never, what? never took any singing classes, music class, nothing, nothing. No. It was, no. it was just like a, like a natural thing as a kid. Wow. Just learning, learning. So my, my school was learning from, like, Los Yonic, Los Bukis, from R&B to like Marvin Gaye, uh, The Commodores, Lionel Richie, because my dad loves that style of music. Uh, listening to Stevie Wonder, 
Um, I mean, as I got older, listening to like Brian McKnight, listening to like Jagged Edge, uh, you know, Jodeci, Casey and Jojo, uh, Drew Hill. So I was listening to all these vast varieties of, of music. So uh, at the age of seven, eight years old, I started noticing that I could carry a melody. Mm. I was like, wow, this mm. is interesting. And then at the age of 14, I was in what, junior high. Um, I was sitting, <laughs> I was sitting uh, behind um, uh, a friend of mine. Her name was Amabel Baltasar. I was in eighth grade. <laughs> I still remember her name. And I was, at the time, there was a song called If I Ever Fall in Love Again uh, by a group called Shy. And it was so like popular during the during that time. I, it was one of my favorite songs to sing, and I, I remember singing in classroom when we had a uh, like a little break, and I was singing. If I ever fall in love again, I will be sure that the lady's a friend. And if I ever fall, I was singing these songs at, at the age of 14 years old. And this girl, Amabel, goes, she goes like this. Is that you? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I was so shy, you know, I was just like, I, I freaked out when she noticed that I was actually singing behind her. And I just kind of looked at her and I'm like, Shh, yeah, uh, that was me. Like, I was just, I didn't want no one to know. You know, I didn't want no one to know because I was always so timid. I was a timid type of kid, r real shy. And uh, she goes, I, I remember her words. She goes, you need to use that voice. Wow. She was my age. Wow, my that's age. powerful. She goes, you need to use that voice. She goes, Frankie, you need to do that. You need to sing. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I, I blushed, but I, I will never forget that day because that was something that actually pushed me to do to keep going right. you know to keep singing so yeah man well, that, that's something that i hear in your voice as well because it is lush it's beautiful but at the same time as an artist and as a singer i hear the different inflections that you can do just like mm. you doing these little acapellas right now i'm all like oh <laughs> it, it's like we just said it's that's very powerful first of all thank you even if you fast forward to today and the the new record of covers and mm -hmm. you're doing you know songs from Juan Gabriel Rocio Durca Chente Selena yeah. you know all that's in there and you can even hear a little bit of them in your voice but you're putting wow. your twist on it oh, that, that brings that R&B flavor and the freestyle flavor it, it all comes in man because even what you guys were doing with Cumbia Kings right. you know I, I hear the samples and I hear some of the the original songs that are incorporated into the new versions okay it's like kind of like almost a natural progression yeah. of doing these other covers well I'll, I'll be honest man like i think being being in the cumbia kings because uh, it was my first big break uh being a lead singer in in the group um it taught me a lot about music it was like uh, like i tell my kids i go that was my college mm -hmm. that was my university um, you know, it was a blessing in disguise for me that I was able to be a part of this band because I think it only had about six months uh, established during the time that I I came into the picture. Uh, um, I came in in 1999, July of 99 um, with the Cumbia Kings and they had already recorded their first album, Amor, Familia, Respeto, and it was all Cumbia. Uh, actually, it was half Cumbia and half pop, kind of like pop ballads ballady kind mm -hmm. of stuff and um when i jumped in 
uh, it was like, okay, Frankie. Well, there was another Frankie. There was another Frankie <laughs> I, I, I hear in the Cisco band. coming out. So Where's Cisco, Cisco? <laughs> yeah. So Cisco was what AB wanted to uh, call me, and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm barely coming into this uh, band. Why not? You know. So they started calling me Cisco, and they're like, hey, Cisco. So uh, what songs have you learned? And I think I had learned um, a ballad that uh, was on the album called You Don't Love Me. And then I learned a song called Fuiste Mala and a song called Te Quiero A Ti. And so I had already auditioned, obviously. They had already flew me into Corpus Christi from San Diego. So I was already in there, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, on their first rehearsal, when I first got in, we went straight to rehearsal. I was blown away by the sound of live music. It was the band. I was like, they had, you know, they had the drummer, they had the two keyboard players, Alex and Cruz. Uh, they had a Weedo guy, you know, that was Slim. Uh, and they had uh, three lead singers, which was Drew, DJ Kane, and Cisco at the time, right? So I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And, uh, you know, I learned so much. I learned a lot, you know, it was in the living room of AB's uh, house and he had a beautiful home and, and really nice, beautiful uh, living room area. It was blue carpet <laughs> and it looked like out of a movie, right? It looked like, like out of a, you know, the, the Scarface movie. I was going to say. Living large, man. Living large. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was living large, man. He was living large. So, you know, they had it all set up right there in the living room and we just started jamming and I was just blown away by the sound of, of cumbia. I was like, I never thought I would get into cumbia. I used to dance cumbia, you know, quinceañeras, weddings, parties, but never had I imagined that I was going to be singing cumbias as my big break. You know, <laughs> that's interesting because I'm Puerto Rican, so I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and cumbia is really not part of our sound back there. You know, right, we have a right. lot of reggae and Afro-Caribbean sounds. Right. But now that I live in L.A. and I'm way more influenced by Mexican culture, now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, there's... I love cumbia. Like, my body can't help but dance to it. Right. I have to say, it's kind of interesting now that you're talking about how you've changed names depending on your... uh, (laughs) On the genre. uh, Right, right. But I wonder, too, if if, if it's like, is it not an identity crisis, but is it like you're finding your own identity and you're finally yeah. where you're at now that you are mm-hmm. Frankie J and this is who you are and right. you finally found your voice. You know, the very first time that uh, I switched my name back to my real name, Frankie, I still remember that day because we, uh, you know, I had made the, the decision that I was going to go solo and that the band was, you know, was my stepping stone, obviously, was my platform. Uh, you know, doing from doing, you know, cumbia into doing some pop ballads and here, you know, doing some some R&B here and there as well what, when we perform live. Um, I said, you know what, I think it's time for me to, to venture off. And I remember thinking, but what am I going to call myself? Because, you know, here I am, there's already a, a Cisco uh, in the R&B world, mm-hmm. uh, which came from Drew Hill. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be doing some pop R&B stuff, I don't want to call myself Cisco. I want to call myself, who am I? You know, and I started thinking, (laughs) well, what was my name prior to this? And (laughs) and so, you know, of course, Frankie. And uh, I remember talking to uh, a a friend of mine named Gabriel Buitrago uh, at the time. And he was like, 
he was like, well, Frankie, if you're going to be doing the solo thing, you got to call yourself something different. Like, you know, if you're, if, you know, you're Frankie, what's your middle name? And I'm like, my middle name is Javier. He goes, there you go. Frankie Javier. I was like, no, I'm not going to call myself Frankie Javier. I go, I can't, you know, I can't, it doesn't sound right. You know? Yeah, there's no musicality and to that. No. And I was like, does that ring a bell? Does that, is that actually hooky? It's catchy? No, it's not. I go, why don't I just call myself Jay, Frankie Jay? And he goes, boom, there you go. So that was kind of like how it all, you know, uh, you know, started for me as, as a solo artist. And that was what kind of took off for me mm-hmm. so now you know from jumping from cumbias to like real like some real pop r&b stuff was kind of cool you know the transition part um because that was something that i had always wanted to do in the first place that's what i wanted to do since right. the very beginning right. you know because i've always been heavily influenced by r&b you know by rhythm and blues uh but i just so happened to have landed you know um in cumbia as mm-hmm. my as my big big break right so, and, you know, and now now I'm coming back and doing boleros and rancheras. <laughs> well, that's kind of like the Spanish version of R&B from back in the day. Right, right. There that's you go. True. That's true. There that's you go. True. Some classic stuff. And we're actually glad you dropped the boy because I remember Frankie Boy, you know, so that, that's, that's right. kind of like the that's kind of the thing. But but if you if you think about, you know, the just how pretty and how heartfelt a lot of these boleros are, you know, right. that's like the same mentality of R&B, whether it's modern R&B or even classic R&B, you know, right. it, it's gut wrenching. It's uh, it's powerful. It talks about, you know life and family you know occasionally with a with a shot of tequila or something <laughs> with a little grito yeah. here and there <laughs> people cry you know people cry hearing those songs i remember like my aunt in in mexico like every time she would hear a juan gabriel song mm-hmm. she would cry that's how like powerful and emotional that music oh, was to man. her those songs are powerful yeah, yeah and hearing you do some of these covers, it's like I can hear the homage to the original artist, but putting your own twist on it. And how much right. did you want to stay true to the original versus how much you wanted to kind of like add your own flavor to it? I, I always had this thing about ranchera music and boleros. I've always wanted to hear my voice with a mariachi. I was always curious. I remember at the age of 18, I tried it the first time. I was kind of, well, I was 19. Um, my wife and I were dating at the time, and she took me to this house party, uh, family house party, and there was a mariachi there. And she was like, well, you sing. Why don't you go up there and sing? And I'm like, I sing, but not that style of music, you know? <laughs> and then she was like, well, go. They're asking you to sing. And I'm like, and everybody's like, que cante, que cante. Yeah, of course. Of course. Egging you on. They apply the pressure on you. So I went up and there was no microphone. So I was so like, I was horrified at the fact that I had no microphone, first and foremost, because mariachi, they're loud. When they're playing their instruments, they're loud. Yeah, so you got to bring it. Yeah, so I was like, okay, wait a minute. How am I going to sound louder than them? So um, they started playing El Rey. Wow. Which is a very well-known classic ranchera classic song. So uh, that was probably the only one that I that I knew. And, uh, <laughs> and so they put me up and, and I started singing. And I really enjoyed the sound of that. Mm. I was like, oh, wow. You know, um, I'm actually singing a, a ranchera, you know. So that was my first memory of, of singing, you know, a ranchera. Um, 
But, you know, as I got older, I was like, man, I've always wanted to hear myself on an actual record. Mm-hmm. But I never, I never, I had never tried it. And when the idea came about to, you know, do a cover album, a standards album, um, through my old A&R, John Delp, and meeting with my uh, ex-manager, Charles Chavez, who is now my, my business partner in this, um, he was like, dude, I think it's a great idea to, you know, to do a standard project, but what can you do that will be different from other artists that have, you know, done cover albums in the past. And so we talked about Linda Ronstadt. Mm-hmm. We talked about how Linda Ronstadt did an album called Canciones de Mi Padre. She Iconic had classic album, a, an amazing album to this day. And, uh, you know, mind you, she already had success in, in the pop world. And she had, you know, big top 10 records, number one records. And then when she decided to do Canciones de Mi Padre, people were probably telling her don't not to do it because it was probably, you know, not a good idea. And so she's here she is doing not knowing what what will become of this album and, you know, became probably her biggest project ever in the history of her career. Canciones de Mi Padre uh, singing, you know, these rancheras. Charles is like, well, why don't you do something like this, but put your own twist to it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, that's actually a really good idea. So I went ahead and picked every single song on Canciones Que Recuerdo. <laughs> and songs that meant something to me. And songs that I, you know, I, I saw myself or I could hear myself you know, singing. And uh, that's why I decided to sing La Farsante. That was the first song, La Farsante, from Juan Gabriel that I recorded. And that's not like one of the most popular songs. I mean, he's got like right. a gazillion songs. That's deeper in the catalog. Yes, and it's very hard to sing, by the way, because it's super high. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what was I thinking? Um, but it was the first one. But I love the fact that you also added hits like In Mi Viejo San Juan. You know, like I mentioned, yes. I, am, I am Puerto Rican. So that's... Yes. That's a, so it's a tribute to you. Yes, gracias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really, I'm like, thank you, you know, like for including the, the Puerto Rican culture and such a beautiful hit as that in Canciones Que Recuerdo, which is your new album. Yes. I want to get a little bit technical and this might be mm-hmm. um, too technical, but I'm just curious to know like, how expensive are the rights to these songs? Oh, no. <laughs> They're not expensive They're at not? all, actually. No, but what happens is when you do a cover project like this, usually what happens is the publisher gets a notification and they, they um, you know, basically say yes or no. So they have to approve um, it? They have to approve it, but because I am also, you know, working with a very, uh, with an amazing company called AWOL, uh, they take the initiative to communicate with every single publisher and they make it happen they make it happen because i was like oh my god he has the greatest hits that pretty much (laughs) to say jose jose juan gabriel and selena and and i'm like dios mio los rights para esto tienen que haber sido absurd (laughs) so i I just wanted to get a little bit into the technicality of it Lo que costó más fue el disco, la producción, de producir todo wow. y, y de grabar. Bueno, gracias a Dios que tengo yo aquí en mi estudio, eh, donde yo puedo grabar eh, aquí en mi casa, eh, en, con la privacidad y, uh-huh. y sin tener que estar yéndome a un estudio. Uh, y, uh, bueno, tuve una, una oportunidad de ir para un estudio que se llama este Sonic Ranch. 
estuve ahí como por una semana y grabé dos temas en este disco, grabé el triste de José José uh -huh. y grabé el dueto con Lupita Infante que es la canción de Selena y Álvaro Torres, buenos amigos. Ahí tuve la oportunidad de, porque fui a, a trabajar, fui a, a escribir, a producir, a grabar e incluso pues tuve la oportunidad de, de, de grabar estos dos temas mientras estuve yo en el estudio. Pero lo demás se grabó aquí en mi casa mm. y mm. lo hice yo pues yo con a mi tiempo. Um, básicamente duré como unos dos años. Pero qué lujo hacerlo en tu hogar. La verdad que eso me ayudó mucho porque sí te ayuda uh, financialmente. Claro. Eh, porque pues aquí tienes todo el equipo, tienes el micrófono que quieres usar, tienes todas las cosas de equipo que necesitas tú para poder cumplir un proyecto como este, de esta calidad. Pero, Pero sí, estuvo buenísimo poder tener todo aquí en claro, mi casa. Claro, claro. Frankie, entonces trabajaste en, en esta nueva discografía titulada Canciones Ajá. que Recuerdo por dos años, mencionaste ahora. Por dos años. Y te tocaba lanzarlo en medio de COVID. Were you en like, medio de COVID. Oh, man. It's okay. You're not the only one. You're not the only I one. Know. Were you hesitant about releasing it? Mira, la verdad, para mí no fue un problema. No, para mí no fue problema porque yo dije, mira, este es el momento adecuado. El momento ahorita donde la gente necesita nostalgia, necesita amor, necesita algo de felicidad. Y especialmente con estas canciones. Estas canciones son clásicas que, que te hacen moverte, te mueven de un, a un cierta, a un, a, bueno, de una cierta manera. Y, y la verdad cuando cayó la noticia de la pandemia, pues de, de, de la cuarentena, dije pues ¿por qué nos vamos a esperar hasta que esto se acabe? ¿por qué no lanzarlo ya en este momento? Siendo que es necesidad, ahorita sí. es necesidad. Uh -huh. Don't get me wrong, like I really did think about like oh wow, is this really gonna work? Right. Because automatically we're human, the doubts right. come in. Right, of course, the fear, the insecurities, um, that's normal. All of that comes in and, and, and it, you know, it comes to play, but I have a great team, you know, that uh, has been developed for, you know, already for a few months and, and they're the ones that kind of push me to, to say, you know what, let's just go, let's do this. Yeah. You know, we're going to be in, inbound, you know, you might not be able to do any shows right now, but that's fine. Look what we're doing. We're, we're on Zoom live right now and we're doing yeah. this, you know, uh, you know, via, via internet. And uh, and it's actually a really cool and fun thing to do to be able to promote a project out of home. Right. You know, I, you know how many people can actually say that? You know, it's, it's not an everyday thing. So uh, with this whole uh, COVID-19 happening, uh, of course, you know, we got to be very, we got to follow protocol. We got to be cautious. We got to, you know, keep all those things in mind. So being at home and being able to promote a project like this, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise at the same time. But I can't wait to do some shows. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't wait to do some shows, you know. Well, and that's the thing because, you know, um, that's the typical model. You produce a record, you tour the record. You know? Right. Se van de gira. Exacto. You've mentioned artists like Selena or uh -huh. Linda Ronstadt or yeah. mega artists like Jennifer Lopez yeah, or yeah. whoever, you know, and all these bands that have, I've been watching like a lot of interviews lately of people that were like touring heavily, you know, day in, day out, gig, mm -hmm. gig, 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 gig. All right. Just the grind of it. Right. And the question that has been asked that I've seen a few times now is like, so... 
you're, you're obviously used to the touring and you enjoy performing, but how much do you miss it now? And how oh, has that missing come into place being quarantined durante the coronavirus and la cuarentena, you know, and all that stuff? I think now I, I appreciate it more. I, I miss it because it's a big vital part of your music, of how you're supposed to, you know, show it to your fans. And, and you know, to, but don't get me wrong. Like, uh, you know, I, I I appreciate the fact that I am home and, and seeing more of my family and seeing my kids and, and you know, spending more time with them uh, and sh in spending more time with my family. But at the same time, the importance of my career, my job is to go out there and be out there in front of my fans, in front of the people that are wanting for these shows to happen you know i miss it especially for someone like you whose strongest suit as opposed to many artists out there is your live voice it's your actual voice you right. know because as we all know there's amazing artists out there and you listen to their music right, right. on spotify or whatever and you're like oh they sound amazing and then you go and see them on stage and you're like and it's a whole different, a whole thing. different <laughs> thing with you it's like it's legit Thank you. Frankie, you've been through a lot, you know. You've been in, the, mm -hmm. in, this, in this industry for many years now. You've gone through different names, different genres, different groups, different record labels. I know you haven't lost faith in music. I know that, that you have not. Oh, no, not at all. But have you lost some faith in the music industry, per se? In the industry? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I think the business is a lot different now. The business aspect is a lot different, um, a lot different than it was before, you know, with when it comes to record deals. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I guess it's just part of the evolution, right? It's part of the process of, of how music and, and, the, and just the world changes. Um, I mean, look at what's happening right now with COVID. We're having to change our ways of being out in, in public, being... You know, we have to change our ways of of so many things, you know, even shopping or even yeah. going grocery shopping. I think the industry is kind of like that in so many ways and so many, you know, so many different shapes of the the aspect of, you know, the business point. But luckily now I'm doing things independently right. that I'm in control of a mm. lot of my my material and I decide what to release, I decide what to record, I decide, you know, how how to put, you know, this 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 product out. Um like I said, now you know, I have I have a team that that is my backbone that really understands, you know, what I'm doing and they're just out there helping me promote, helping me to push this project. Yes, th there is a lot of of money that comes into play. You have to basically fork it out of your pocket. Right. You know, there's no you know, investor that is putting money into my project, I'm actually putting it out of my own pocket. But that's what I felt like I needed to do that so that, you know, what do they say is like, you know, if you want something that that's good, that's done the right way, you better do it yourself. So it's like, put your money where your mouth is. You know? And you believe in the project. You totally believe in the project. Exactly. And not just because like, this is what you're doing now, but it's your history. I mean, it's your upbringing. Right. It's your life. It's not like something that, yeah, though, it's not like it just took the two years, obviously, you know, to produce and record the songs, but it goes right. way deeper. That's like the tip of the iceberg. 
Well, mind you, I was still I was still doing shows while I was recording. I was nonstop. Like, you know what? A lot of people think that I've stopped for so many years, but I've never stopped. Maybe right. I've been out. I've been out of the media. I've probably been out of you know uh, doing these red carpets and doing a lot of the you know the the media stuff. But I've continued no matter what to yeah. to, to doing shows to touring. As a matter of fact, before COVID hit, we had about fourteen shows lined up. So we had a full. You know, set of of, of shows mm-hmm. lined up for like these couple, what three four months, and we were we were getting ready to go on the road. You know, every weekend, boom 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 yeah. boom, just doing show to show to show to show. So I I've never stopped. I've never stopped. Right. And uh, you know, but you know, during the process of of these two years, uh, I've been in and out of the studio, traveling. Oh, we got a show over here. Oh, we got to go to you know, uh, Boston or we're going out to San Antonio or we're in, sure. we're in Bakersfield, you know, the so show must go on. The show must go on. And, and that's how I was able to, you know, still utilize obviously some yeah. of that money to, to pay for what I'm doing now independently. That's why I brought it up earlier, you know, like talking about like missing the performance, but then, you know, it, it's clearly a, a new model of working in the music industry. Cause yeah. like we just said, it's changed. It's different. Now this is like, oh, okay, how do we do this now? And, in addition to managing the, the the business side of it, the creativity side of it, how are you staying creative during these pandemic times? Oh man, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I I try to, um, you know, I have a piano inside my house, a, a grand piano. It's a beautiful one. I've seen it on oh, many videos. Oh man, thank you. <laughs> I love uh, just getting in front of it and just playing, you know, melodies and stuff and trying to come up with, you know, cool ideas, concepts, uh, lyrics as much as possible. I think my wife already told me one time, she goes, you have a studio over there. Why don't you go use it? <laughs> I'm like, because I like this piano over here and it's inside my house. I don't have to walk outside of my house to come right. into the studio. And for me, I, I, that's the way I try to stay motivated and to stay you know, consistently thinking of, of songs, you know, um, but also like even my family inspires me, even though, even though they don't, they don't really see it, they might not know it, but just being home actually has given me some kind of inspiration because now that I'm home right now, it kind of gives me more of more, more time to think, mm-hmm. you know, slow down. So I analyze, yeah, yeah I, I, it slows down and I analyze a lot of other things and, you know, and it brings ideas to my head, and I'm just like, hmm, I'm over here writing a song about painting walls, or, <laughs> you know, you know, working, restructuring the laundry room or something. I don't know, but it just gives ideas, you know, for me, and and I like it. It brings joy to me for sure. Well, Frankie, thank you so much for being part of Pirito en la Música. Like I said before, es un honor increíble tenerte. Tienes una trayectoria sólida, and we can't wait for all of this chaos to be over so you can be on the road and we can see you live y sudar y llorar y reír y brincar contigo oh man el placer fue mío yeah I think the beautiful thing is music uh, you know in our lives that that uh, can in, can just create those emotions and, and the joy and the happiness that, that we all need, especially in this time of all of that. You know, we need so much more joy and unity and love, you know. So I'm, I'm excited to, you know, hopefully all this uh, all this passes. And I know it will. It, it's, it, uh, it, will it will definitely come to pass. It's all temporary. Um, and, and we'll get back to the shows very, very soon. So like I said, my first show coming back after this is going to be June 20th in Houston. 
and it's called a drive a drive-in live festival. So I'm excited about about that. I I, I want to see how that's going to pan out. That's awesome. I, I hear it's selling well, so let's see what happens. Well, I mean, they're doing that in Europe. They're they're doing drive-in concerts. So it's a new way of seeing concerts and live music. That's right. I think uh, they have uh, Germany, I think Russia and Australia and Canada. And Denmark también creo. Denmark, they've been having successful events like these where people are actually parking their cars and enjoying music. Yeah. So I'm hoping that uh, it does well in Houston, Texas. And yeah, I'm excited about that. It's going to be nice. Well, I'll tell you what show I'm excited for you, man. I can't wait to be in the house. I might actually have to take a trip down to San Diego, but I Uh know you were scheduled because I know you're a baseball fan as well. You're a Padres fan, and I love Petco, and I just want to say, because I know you you mentioned uh, that you were set to perform the national anthem for opening day of the... Padre season and yep. now obviously that that has been um you know pushed Postponed. back and who knows mm-hmm. if there's going to be a season this year but next year man come april i'm going to be out there i'm going to be rooting you along with those other tens of thousands to let's go roll <laughs> dude the national anthem it, it, it's a it's a first of all it's a tough song to sing you're talking about tough oh, records man. to sing when you're up there but oh, man, you yes. got tens of thousands of people you know hearing you perform this song this anthem that's that's a unification Oh, yeah. song with the lyrics and powerful meaning, man. I'm sure that has to, you know, be so emotional when you do stuff like that, too. Remember I was telling you yesterday, uh, we have to make sure that I started off on the right key. <laughs> if I started off on the wrong key, Uh-oh. I'm singing all the way to the Himalayas. <laughs> all the way up there. Like Fat Joe, I'm all the way up. <laughs> but, no, it's always fun to sing uh, the National Anthem. It's an adrenaline rush, man, every single time because there's tens of thousands of people just watching you, you know, making sure that you're going to sing it right. So I'm like, I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to sing it right, you know. But the eruption, but, uh, yeah. the eruption of the crowd oh. when, you, when you get towards yeah. that end. And the rockets are regular. And then you start hearing all the rockets, <laughs> you know, the fireworks, exactly. And then you see... You know, the, the flyover, the angels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the flyover. You see the jets go whoosh, fly over you, and I'm just like, wow. And obviously with everything going on in the world and the protests and all that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, you need some of this uplifting, positive reinforcement of oh, yeah. of who we are as, as humanity and as a human race here in the States and in all the different areas. So much props to you, man. Thank Cisco, you. Frankie boy, Frankie <laughs> J, you know, we love you all around, dude. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, taking a little time out and, you know, success with the record, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks for the invite, for allowing me to be here with you guys. And a big shout out to all the, all the fans that are listening. You know, thank you for your support, for your love. You know, let's get this Canciones Que Recuerdo out there more. And, and uh, yeah, we just got to keep listening to these love songs, man, these classics. For sure. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. Gracias for checking out our podcast. Hey, and special thanks to Ulises El Licenciado Lozano for our amazing theme song. Our mix and recording engineer, Mario Diaz. Our artistic director, Dak. And can't forget about our sponsors, Pili. No, Raul, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels. Gracias for supporting La Musica Latina. And for more information and other episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Hey, make sure to tell your tía, abuelo, primas, everybody to subscribe. A todos. Thank you.